Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Bits for... Good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Are we gonna hear what that's a reference to? I did not choose it this week, but it is a okay. uh, the title of a play. Okay, interesting. Sandra, I think I maybe understand why you didn't choose to look into that. I think you probably had some other things on your mind, what with getting ready to leave the country, and also I think you're giving this week's summary. I am, <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to it at all. I am Why? Also gonna... Next to nothing happened in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is like an episode that I would get. Yeah, this is a Jess episode, but unfortunately mm-hmm. Sandra got it. <laughs> I feel like this episode would be challenging for me. <laughs> uh, let's see how I do, all right? Count Ready? me down. Three, two, one, Go. The fallout from the party has left three sets of parents upset, Kyle's, Jess's, and Lane's, except Mrs. Kim is strangely quiet. Luke, on the other hand, is not, spending the morning fighting for Jess, who, by the way, got two visits from the same man, who turns out to be his father. Luke tries to fix Jess, but fails and ends up kicking him out. Meanwhile, Fran Weston passes away, freeing up the dragon fight, and Lorelai and Suki inappropriately fight for, and Dave tries to win over Mrs. Kim and does. Lane is going to prom, but Rory's not. Jess and Rory are done, but Dean and Lindsay are just beginning. Oh, perfect. Yes, yes. You did it. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> that was so stressful. I think this means you're still on the lead, right, Sandra? Um, I have the paper right here. Let's go through the list. We got one failure from Jess, mm-hmm. one failure from Emily, one failure from myself. And, and that's it? Are we tied? We're tied. We're still no. tied. Oof. Wait. Did we get a half failure or something? Did I get a half failure? Jess, didn't you fail in um the episode where it was just the two of us? Oh uh, no, I we let it we let it pass. <laughs> I think that was the one where it was like if we end up with a tie, yeah. <laughs> that will count as like a point one yes, that, <laughs> to like exactly push me get. as the loser. <laughs> so uh, yes, we only we have are. two episodes left, so we're tied. Ooh, 
Oh my gosh. It's going to be me again. This was my Actually, episode you know to lose. So I didn't lose it. Who's who's doing the summary next time? I think you uh, and then me. So technically, no, it's the opposite. Wait. Yeah, it's the opposite. Emily is first and then Jess. All right. I am rubbing my hands like a villain because Emily shared with us that baby is pushing on her up <laughs> and down. So she might be a little slower next time. Not that I'm wishing you ill, of course. You but... already jinxed me once this season. <laughs> I mean, I need all the help I can get. Make you Either way. <laughs> Congratulations, Sandra, on a... Uh, nail biter win there. Hey, thanks. Uh, why don't we jump into this week's references with Sandra? Yeah. Weekly references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. So this week in references, I want to focus on a maybe homage, a song, and a guest star. So first up, the homage. There's a very famous movie from 1967 called The Graduate. And the movie is about an affair between a young man, a recent graduate, and an older woman who he then leaves her, leaves for her daughter. And they get into a relationship, but like, no one wants them to get, there's a lot of drama. But what I want to talk mm. about is the end of the movie. So Ben and Elaine board a bus and they sit in the last row and then they just kind of sit there realizing that they have no clue what's coming next. If what they did was worth it, if they're going to be happy, if they did the right thing. And there's just that moment of, oh, and the two of them just sit there looking out a complete look of un- uncertainty. Now, apparently this look came about because the director did not say cut and the actors stayed in character and were waiting for their cue. Um, So Mm. that look of like confusion was just the actors. (laughs) But the director loved it so much that he kept it as the ending and the world has loved this ending so much. And apparently ASP did too. Now, I can't say for certain it is debated on the internet people have brought it up before but the scene where rory and jess meet on the bus it looks almost identical to that final scene of the graduate where they just I definitely sit, thought so right they just sit and stare out i encourage you guys to go on youtube and watch the scene from the graduate see if you see that parallel maybe you disagree with me but every time i see that bus scene i'm like i've seen this scene before <laughs> mm-hmm. in the graduate but up next, I have a song, Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am, aka Suffragette City by David Bowie, the song that Jess and Jimmy are listening together to. Now, we've talked about Bowie before, because obviously Lorelai skipped the out concert. on Bowie because of John Hamm. He sucked that much. Such a decision. <laughs> yeah. But I want to talk about this song in particular. Emily, you mentioned last week that you actually really like this song. I do, yes. So this song was on his fifth studio album, The Rise and Fall of Siggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars. That's the title. Although it was originally meant for another band, but Bowie ended up getting it. Now, this song has been called one of Bowie's greatest songs. 
Uh, it was a frequent during his concerts. It's super popular, especially that line um, that they both mouth, the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. So that mm-hmm. phrase was originally from an artist called Charles Mingus, who used that as a song title in his 1961 album, Oh Yeah. So in 2015, Suffragette City was called the best song from the 70s by Ultimate Classic Rock, a publication on Ultimate Classic Rock, uh, who said this song underscores Bowie's broad interests. He pulled in references from Charles Mingus and A Clockwork Orange, even as it showcased his willingness to experiment with things like the ARP synth. Don't ask me what that is. I don't know what an ARP synth is. Just know that he experimented with it. <laughs> but up next, we have a guest star. So Jimmy Mariano is played by Rob Estes. And Rob started his career on Days of Our Lives. A classic. Yeah. Uh, Before moving on to a show called Silk Stockings, but not stockings like the sock, stockings like you stocking someone. Silk Stockings, yes. Uh, But he got, yeah, he got widespread recognition for a guest role on Melrose Place playing Sam Towler for a two episode run. Three years later, they brought him back but cast him as a new role as Kyle McBride, and he played that role for three years. So wait, did they Dr. Drake Ramore him? Yes, they did. Okay. They just pretended sure. he was someone else. They basically sure. did what right. Gilmore Girls does all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And just put him back. But after it was canceled, he did a bunch of guest starring roles, including Gilmore Girls, before getting the role of Harry Wilson in 90210, the reboot, in hmm. 2008. So this makes the third time that he's like in the same universe as a different character. Interesting. Um, but since then, he's done some like Christmas movies, a lot of CSI, before finally doing a big movie again, guys. The Harry Styles fan fiction movie, After. <laughs> wow. um, he took Didn't over for Peter Gallagher. It, oh, it is a thing. It's a thing. It's on Netflix. Never watched it. But he took over for Peter Gallagher, who ironically plays Seth Cohen's dad, aka Adam Brody's dad in DOC, for the sequel films, and he's been doing them ever since. But that's a little bit on Rob Estes, our very own Jimmy Mariano, deadbeat dad extraordinaire. But yeah, those were my <laughs> references this week. So let me know what you guys think about that bus scene. Do you guys think that she was trying to invoke the graduate imagery, or is it just coincidence? I bet she hmm. was. Yeah, the gra- right. The Graduate is a, a fairly popular, semi-iconic yeah. movie. It, yeah. it would make sense in my mind. We studied it in my film course in Ooh. college. Bougie, fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but afterwards, we have a book with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. Hey guys, we went through this entire episode with next to no books, and we are at the end. Jess and Jimmy are in the diner. I'm like, there's not going to be any books in this episode. I'm going to have to do Suffragette City by by Bowie, which again, I like the song, but we're getting close to the end of the season. I wanted a book. And then we have three books in quick succession on the bus. You can't see any of the damn things. (laughs) 
but you do get a quick look at the cover of the book Rory is reading, and for some reason, some mystical, physically magic movie moment in my head, I was like, I think that's Eleanor Roosevelt. And I googled it, and it was. Oh my gosh. Magic. (laughs) It is Eleanor Roosevelt, Volume 1, by Blanche Wieson Cook. This is a three-volume series that she wrote over the span of, like, 15 years. 25 years. I am incorrect. I mathed wrong very quickly. So, volume <laughs> She wrote one, this book over 25 years? Is that what you just uh, said? No, the volumes. Okay. <laughs> so, volume one takes place 1884, when she was born, to 1933, which is when FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, gets elected as president. So it's all pre-First Lady years. Um, that book was released in 1992. And it w- actually, it was awarded a 1992 biography prize from the LA Times. And actually had really good reviews in the New York Times on it as well. Volume 2, years 1933 to 38. So not even her entire span of First Lady, but just five years in there. Uh, came out in 2000. And then Volume 3, years 1939 to 62, to her death were published in 2016. So she was born Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. So just so we're clear, her maiden name is Roosevelt. I felt like I was reading a tricks situation (laughs) when this happened. It's okay. We'll get there. Uh, She was a political figure, diplomat, and activist. She was the first lady of the United States from 1933 to 1945, while Franklin D. Roosevelt served as president until his death. Does that make you guys, like, math in your head? This was 12 years that she served as first lady. math. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Uh, it's, Which... Oh, it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. So, this was 12 years as first lady, and in my head, I was always thinking that there was a two-year cap on presidents. Or a two-term oh, there, cap. Um, An unofficial two-term cap. Isn't he the only cap. one? He is the he's... only one. Yeah. He served three? four terms four. as oh president. Oh, my gosh. So he served his first two terms. During the election for his third term, nobody knew what he was doing, including his political advisors, until and he had even actually recommended having a Democratic, like, bring somebody up to, to take the Democratic nomination. And then the last minute he ended up running because I think that was for World War One, and he did not feel that it would be a good situation for a new president to come into. He felt like his skill and his knowledge was needed to guide the United States through the war. I mean, the war was a pretty big deal. Yeah. But she's the longest serving first lady ever. Uh, mm-hmm. She was born to high society family in Manhattan, 1884. Ugh. The daughter of Anna Rebecca Hall and Elliot Roosevelt. And was niece to President Theodore Roosevelt, who her dad. This is this is weird. This is Yeah. Uh, it, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. It gets okay. She had two younger brothers <laughs> um, and a half-brother through her dad's affair. Her mother died of diphtheria in 1892. Her brother, Elliot Jr., died the following year. And then Oof. her dad died the year after that. Yikes. He had been committed to a sanitarium and jumped out a window. Oh, God. He didn't die from the fall. He had a seizure afterwards, and that's what killed him. I'm getting fodder winks. So, right? <laughs> okay, again, so this was 1984 when her dad died. She was born in 1884, so she was 10. She was 10 when this happened. She ended up getting raised by her grandmother, 
She was tutored privately for a while, sent to Allenswood Academy at the age of 15, a finishing school in Wimbledon, and ended up the headmistress kind of really liked her, I guess. But the school itself cultivated independent thinking in young women. Oh, she did. Good. She was there from 1899 to 1902. I imagine it's probably very hard to find schools that did that in that time frame. Uh, she left Allenswood in 1902 to have her social debut. She was presented at a debutante ball at the Waldorf Astoria and was also given her own coming out party afterwards. How very Rory Gilmore of her. <laughs> and she hated it. Also very Rory Gilmore of her. Probably mm-hmm. for the same reasons. She was quoted as basically saying, hey, these are things that you do and you enjoy yourself by spending time with the girls there. And I got sent off to finishing school and didn't know any of them because I'd been out of town for three years. But while back home in New York, she did become active with the Junior League, a private nonprofit educational women's volunteer organization teaching dancing and calisthenics in the east side slums of New York. So she started young in her activism. Uh, Summer of 1902, she met her father's fifth cousin franklin delanor roosevelt so that would make him her sixth cousin right um fifth cousin once removed or like a fifth it depends on like the if he was the son of somebody but yeah fifth or sixth or fifth once removed either way they were not second cousins like tricks and her husband i'm gonna that's too close i'm gonna let this one go (laughs) because it's fifth or sixth cousin or something very far away there should not be any more genetic overlap they met on a train and they began a secret correspondence and romance becoming engaged in november of 1903 and they were married in 1905 with the wedding officiated by endicott peabody which is a very familiar name but i did not know why is that like the peabody award um so he was the most famous headmaster in the united states he was the headmaster of groton school where fdr went hmm and he got married by his principal. Yeah. Literally, cool. in, in Peabody's Wikipedia, it says he was quoted as being the most famous headmaster in the United States. Cool. I don't want to dive too much into it. <laughs> uh, so they ended up having six children together. She had wow. massive fights with her mother-in-law. So her mother-in-law, also socialite, lots of money, bought them their house, and it connected to her house through just, like, sliding much. doors. That's too much. So, Mama FDR ended up raising the Roosevelt children. And it's from what I read, there were they did not get along. And Eleanor is even quoted as saying, Motherhood did not come naturally to me to understand little children or to enjoy them. So, in 1918, uh, while unpacking FDR's suitcase, she found love letters from her social secretary between her and her husband. Lucy Mercer. No, I never knew this. Proving an affair had been going on between Lucy and the not quite president yet. Apparently, in the letters, it does say he was contemplating divorce to leave Eleanor for Lucy Mercer, but after pushback from his political advisor and his mother threatening to disinherit him, they decided to stay together. So what you're telling me is that FDR is an asshole. You, yeah, because that's just <laughs> cool. that's only one of his affairs. Oh, uh, cool. but from that point on, it was more of a political partnership than a true marriage between them. And she began to focus on her social work instead of her role as a wife and mother. He 
FDR famously had a battle with polio that left him paralyzed. He is in a wheelchair. That happened over the 1920s, I guess, while he was actively running for president? Yes. Wow. So he, yeah. they used to, like, um, fake his movement. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so because of because of that, Eleanor ended up stepping into a lot of his public appearances and basically showing up for him. Uh, so her public role grew, and she, of course, became more political because of it. Uh, together, her and FDR built a cottage that they named Val Kill, which sounds weird and reminds me of Val Kilmore, uh, but <laughs> is Dutch with a loose translation of waterfall stream. Oh. So she used this cottage to continue her social work and implement ideas for work with winter jobs for rural workers and women. So people who would otherwise not have any income in that time frame. Hmm. Again, like I said, she began campaigning in his place while he went through and recovered from polio. She started working with the Women's Trade Union League, raising funds in support of union goals, which included minimum wage and the abolition of child labor. Abolition? I don't, abolition. Is that abolition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting rid of child labor. Good for her. Good. For, yeah, good, very good. Uh, through, <laughs> she became an, an increasingly influential leader in the New York State Democrat Party, while FDR used her contacts to strengthen his standing for election. But she became first lady in 1933, reluctantly, because she personally knew all of the first ladies of the 20th century and did not like what their role was. Uh, so she was like... I'm going to do this differently, with support from her husband, and eventually became the most controversial first lady in United States history. She's the first presidential spouse to hold regular press conferences, and in 1940, uh, became the first to speak at a national party convention. She spent the large majority of her time as first lady visiting labor meetings for Depression-era workers and visiting World War I veterans to dispel tension because the FDR administration uh, tear-gassed them at one point. That's great. Scott. Ultimately, she used her role for good. I am way over the limit here, and I apologize for that. She has an incredibly interesting life. Um, she worked heavily with the American Youth uh, American Youth Congress. Her work with them eventually led to the formation of the National Youth Administration, a New Deal agency in the U.S. that focused on providing work and education for Americans between the ages of 16 and 25. And then the thing that this book supposedly has proof of... Eleanor's affair with reporter Lorena Hickok. There are letters between them with endearments and lines included of, I want to put my arms around you and kiss you at the corner of your mouth. I can't kiss you, so I kiss your picture. Good night and good morning. So she might have been a lesbian. We don't know. She does say that she did not enjoy her marriage activities. <laughs> this might be why. <laughs> I'm just glad that I don't have to carry around, like, paper copies of all of the texts and emails and embarrassing romantic nonsense that I have said and shared over the years. Right? right? Like, it's all saved electronically now. <laughs> you know, put it on your phone. Hey, guys. Eleanor sounds like an incredible woman. Do you guys want to know what I learned about her in school? Please do. Mm. It was uh, West... Uh, no, it would have been U.S. history, right? I was in eighth. AP US history and we start talking about FDR and we talk very briefly about Eleanor Roosevelt and my teacher goes you know what her defining thing is she was ugly see and and I I've heard I've read this I heard this yeah. um 
apparently she had an ongoing battle going with the media. I, I get that's all I and no. I bet yeah. this is how it came. I've learned more about her with you than mm-hmm. I ever knew about her before because literally all I learned from her was she was ugly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe yeah. even in the show, Emily has like Emily reference. I could be, I could might not be Gilmore Girls, but somebody in some movie I have <laughs> watched somewhere goes that unsufferable Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh. Maybe it was Annie. <laughs> yes, Annie and Gilmore Girls. Very close together. But ultimately, Eleanor Roosevelt, massive activist, socialist, helped people, did great things as First Lady and post-First Lady. Highly recommend reading into her. She was more than just ugly, as apparently the media wanted you to know in history. In history, uh, yeah. But after that, we have Fashion with Jess. Fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. All right. Well, today um, we are going to take a look at Benefit Cosmetics. So Benefit is a cosmetics manufacturer with a focus on brows, lashes, and cheeks that was founded in 1976 by twin sisters Jean and Jane Ford. In the episode, as Lorelai and Suki are harassing the pall-bearing lawyer, Lorelai suggests that the town could walk around the benefit counter the same way that Fran requests mourners to walk around the town square at her own funeral. So Jean and Jane were born in Indiana, where they both eventually attended college at Indiana University. Jean studied art history. Yeah. And Jane studied marketing and finance. After college, they shared an apartment in Manhattan and pursued modeling. These were gorgeous sisters, and they were both, like, six foot one, so obvious choice. Uh, their big break came when they booked a Calgon Bath Beads national commercial. I couldn't find the exact one, but I could find another one that was just super weird. I was about to say, you sent us a commercial that was made by two <laughs> with two different women in the bath? No. <laughs> no, it was a different one. But how long has it been since you thought about bath beads? Like, talk about something out of the 80s and 90s. I mean, Charlie's obsessed with bath bombs right now, so not quite the same thing. Yeah. Uh, The sisters decided they needed to find something more secure than modeling, so they headed out west to San Francisco. When they got there, they apparently sat at the corner of 23rd and Nelly Street and flipped a coin to decide their future. Heads, they'd open a casserole cafe... How clear is it these ladies were from the Midwest? And <laughs> Tails, they would open a makeup shop. That was only funny to me. <laughs> Emily did That's not appreciate it. That's because it was just real to me. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, you um, know, the, the Midwesterners, we love our casserole. <laughs> so clearly it was Tails and they opened their makeup store called The Face Place in San Francisco's Mission District in 1976. Their focus was on creating products that solved existing beauty issues, and one key issue that led to the creation of one of Benefit's most popular items of all time was posed by an exotic dancer by the name of Rosie, who wanted a product that would make her nipples and areolas appear more pink and noticeable further away from the stage. Apparently, the twins told her, oh, we have the perfect thing, but we're out of it. They didn't have anything, but they went home that night and created what they called their rose tint by boiling rose petals, and later on that would go on to become Benetint, which is their best-selling uh, rose-colored cheek and lip stain. 
and also presumably nip stain. Uh, the Benetint line has expanded to include more colors like cherry, go-go tint, uh, desert rose, flora, flora tint, pink lemonade play tint, mango tinted cha-cha tint, and fiery red love tint. Very worried about the cha-cha tint. <laughs> right? I don't know what mango <laughs> would look like. But hey, nipples come in all colors, lips come in all colors. We all sure. need different colors. In 1990, the Ford twins officially changed the name of the business from the face place to Benefit, and the first Benefit counter was opened at Henry Bendel in New York. In 1997, Benefit branched out overseas with a counter at Harrods in London, where none other than Princess Diana made a surprise visit during the grand opening. No snap. She pops up in a lot of my fashion references, weirdly <laughs> enough. It's because she was a fashion icon. We know why. She was a fashion icon. Yes. Yeah. In 1999, the French holding multinational corporation, Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton, which is a group specializing in luxury products, acquired the brand. Yes, that Moet. Yes, that Hennessy and that Louis Vuitton. The group also owns Christian Dior, Marc Jacobs, Celine, Fendi, Bulgari, Givenchy, Fenty Beauty, Makeup Forever, Tiffany, Sephora, among many other luxury brands, including, weirdly enough, a craft distillery from, like, my hometown. Oh. Cool. Apparently, <laughs> the lap of luxury I grew okay, up in. Then. In 2001, when Lorelai would have been like a peak customer for them, the brand launched a short-lived bath and boudoir line with products like soft-to-touch, hard-to-get, body oil mist, body so fine, body balm, touch me then try to leave me body cream, getting steamy shower gel. It just sounds like Victoria's Secret ad. Right? <laughs> uh, titled products. In 2003, so about the same time that this uh, episode was taking place. The first Bren Benefit Brow Bar launched at Macy's Union Square in San Francisco. Brow bars can now still be found in Ulta stores and at Benefit counters across the country, where brow waxing takes center stage as opposed to being done in a private back room like it traditionally was to encourage normalization of the process and to encourage more women to get it done. Uh, they actually won a Guinness record uh, in 2012 for most eyebrows waxed in an eight-hour oh shift by a team. They apparently, in eight hours, waxed 382 eyebrows. Wow. Individual eyebrows or pairs I of eyebrows? I don't know. I didn't look into it, but that's still, either way, that's, that's a, a lot. lot of eyebrows. That's not something you want people to rush either. God, no. <laughs> Benefit's tagline is laughter is the best cosmetic, which pairs well with their playfully named products and colorful cartoony graphics and their throwback to fem their feminist 70s roots. They have products like the They're Real Lengthening Mascara, Gimme Brow Brow Gel, Bad Gal Bang Volumizing, Volumizing Mascara, Goof Proof Eyebrow Pencil, The Professional Primer, and I feel like probably their most popular product, or if you were also obsessed with YouTube beauty gurus in the mid-2000s like I was. Hula bronzer was something that I desperately wanted and never got, and it's probably for the best. Was it really expensive? No, it's not, like, crazy expensive, which also makes me curious about why Louis Vuitton, Hennessy, Moet ended up grabbing the brand, because mm -hmm. it's not, like, the most expensive makeup brand. It's just that... Uh, I would have used too much, and I would have been like a snooky Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> so today, Benefit is still a highly respected and staple brand uh, in the beauty community. 
and their beauty counters and brow bars can still be found at many major department stores. Unfortunately, Jean Ford did pass away at 71 in 2019, and Jane Ford passed away at 73 in 2020. I do also have a couple of quick highlights from fashion in the episode. Um, I want to shout out Lorelai's blue-on-blue sweater vest combo, which somehow, when Lorelai does it, it looks good. Uh, We have Emily's striped peach gardening shirt, which she is wearing in her very terse phone call. She is the epitome of coastal grandmother chic. (laughs) We have what I call Dave's good guy suit. He looks like such a good guy. He's wearing a suit. He doesn't mind a tie, and we love him for that. Uh, I wanted to call out Jimmy's sloppy everything. You have to look pretty bad for Luke to call you out on your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And he does. He does. And what's worse is that he's like an attractive man. Yeah. But they definitely like slumped him up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He looks like a sloppy teenager. Yeah. But a grown man. I also wanted to say that all of the funeral funeral looks were incredible. I even liked the black hat on Lorelai. It was very fitting in this setting. She has like a essentially an amped up bucket hat. Lorelai looks incredible. Rory looks incredible. Suki looks incredible. Although I'm kind of not 100% sold on the cropped wide pants under a dress look. I'm going to say she's pregnant. Anything goes. Can, can we quickly mention some other hats oh yes Mrs. the kim's hats Kim and wayne We're they have very hats. big hats <laughs> it was amazing i would not have pictured mrs kim wearing a hat like that yeah but it's very church lady mm-hmm. you know like to wear a hat to a funeral that's fair they do i mean it's like it completes the look mm-hmm. and then the last quick fashion bit i want to touch on is the red dress that lorelei stops in front of when she tries to have the prom conversation with Rory, she says, this would look incredible on you. I don't think that that would ever be what I would put Rory in for prom, but looking at that dress, it looks like it came straight out of Bridgerton. Straight out of yes, Bridgerton. Yes, it does. It's got this empire-waisted satin with a square neck, little cap sleeves, full length. It's beautiful. But I was like, we could literally see that next season on Bridgerton and I would not think twice no red is a very bold color it can't be on a it can't be on an unmarried lady no certainly not but that was a deep dive into benefit cosmetics where apparently lorelei's funeral will take place and a couple of highlights from the episode not gonna lie of all of the uh high fashion brands i have heard of in the past i have somehow never heard of benefit same i was thinking the same thing i was like Am I crazy for not knowing what benefits is? I didn't realize she was talking about a makeup brand. Yeah, I honest to God I thought she was talking about like off-brand generic <laughs> makeup counter. No, yeah. I mean, and it probably does, again, come from the fact that I was like chronically online as a teenager <laughs> and I was like very into the beauty blogger scene. Mm-hmm. I still have, this is like so shameful, I still have the original naked palette which everybody who knows what that is is like screaming at me to throw it away (laughs) i won't it was expensive (laughs) but like hula bronzer was definitely in that range and i actually still have a couple of the benefit products and they're great i keep thinking you're referencing huda beauty oh huda beauty which you're not no 
No. Um, <laughs> Benetint, which I have never owned. I think if I had the kind of like dewy, beautiful skin that Gen Z has now, I would love to do that. It's like 18 bucks for a bottle. So it is not crazy expensive mm-hmm. by any means. So yeah, that was fashion. And after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Right, so first off, we have a couple of comments on a past episode, the episode where we finally learn Sandra's big news that she is moving abroad. Leaving the country. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. Ash Misky said, congratulations for Sandra, but what about the bookcase? So Sandra, the can real you confirm? Listen, <laughs> this is an inside joke for our Instagram followers. So if you want to know <laughs> the entire context, you do have to go to Instagram. But let's just say I built a hell of a bookcase. I think I mentioned it on the podcast as well. Oh, yeah. We talked about it. And it was your proposal. (laughs) Yeah. And it was great. And it's wonderful. It is being left in the U.S. Because, I mean, I can't physically take it to Colombia. How dare you? That would be really hard to do. I can't believe it. But I might just build another bookcase. (laughs) You can't just replace that bookcase. I can. It was $22 and it was from Walmart. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway. We're so proud of you for that bookcase. On that same post, we also had a comment from Gimme My Coffee, who said, I have a writing flub catch with the Kim Weddings. So the episode where Rory and uh, Lane are helping the bride get ready. They are Seventh-day Adventist. Why is Ave Maria being sung? Uh, This and Lane talking about Sunday school shows a lack of awareness about this denomination. So good catch, give me my coffee, because I'm definitely not, you know, aware of Seventh-day Adventist, like, norms, and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have noticed. So I'm not aware of Seventh-day Adventist norms either, but I am aware of Catholicism. So I'm just thinking to my head, I guess Ave Maria is also in other cultures. Yeah. No. Apparently not. <laughs> not correct. But thank you, both of you. After that, uh, so this is a comment on an older episode, the uh, I Saw Malie Swear episode where Rory and Paris have their their battle over Francie and her shenanigans. But a more recent comment from K.H. Renko. Sorry if I butchered that. I have no idea how that's supposed to be said. But she said, never heard them called fortune tellers, only cootie catchers. So this is also the episode where... Lorelai and Suki go to the the class. The class. Yes. And Emily, you and abandoned us. Bored. <laughs> it was just me and Jess talking about Cootie Catchers. Oh Catcher. my gosh. It was the cursed episode. <laughs> the cursed episode. Emily, did you ever get to weigh in on Cootie Catchers versus for- Fortune Tellers? I always heard Cootie Catchers. Oh, I never okay. Am it. I the only one who heard Fortune Tellers? No, I heard Fortune. I never heard okay. Cootie Catchers. Okay, interesting. So I think well, it's just like where you live in the U.S. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that the Midwest would be cootie catchers, but then the East and West Coast would be fortune tellers. <laughs> you guys and your casseroles and your cootie catchers. <laughs> Leave our casseroles out of it. 
But then we also got a message from Sarah on Instagram. Uh, she said, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. Can confirm. I, too, am blown away by how fast Emily can talk. It's really impressive. So thank you. I am very <laughs> proud of my talking abilities. <laughs> Maybe Sarah is like anti-hexing you she's like canceling out my bad juju (laughs) you know what god bless her if she is because jess you hit me with some bad juju on my failure (laughs) i don't want to eat an egg (laughs) you know what jess i don't want to eat eggs either i found out i'm allergic to them is it confirmed well we wouldn't make you eat an egg (laughs) yeah we wouldn't make you like brace an allergy yeah well what if i found out that i was that'd be a terrible that would be a really terrible <laughs> on a podcast <laughs> okay to be fair we have made multiple jokes about making you eat an egg but it's never been confirmed we would make you eat an egg that's so, true I know. who I knows would make her eat an egg <laughs> just, but, just um, saying we also put up a post for today's episode and annalisa said the bus scene is so so sad but how did rory not notice the big bag we kind of went over this last week. How? <laughs> we don't know. Unknown. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. It's unknown. Um, but that's the whole thing about you know, that scene, right? We specified yeah. they have terrible communication skills. She, oh she God, probably saw it and then just ignored it. Yeah. That's actually my yeah. decision now. She saw it and ignored it. And our other comment is from To Earth from Fluto. And all they say is, the OC theme song, a.k.a. California by Phantom Planet. And all I have to say to that is... That's all I can play because legally I can't play more than six seconds. <laughs> but I love that song so much. And when I got it, I was just like, yes, California, uh, yeah. here we come. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, it's where Jess is going and where Dave is going. Yeah, off to California. Damn you, California. Yep, California stole the boys. But thank you, everybody, for writing in. We always love hearing from you. And let's end this episode with coffee. Guys, I was halfway through this episode before I remembered I had to count for coffee. So then I had to return and look for coffee and realize they didn't go to Luke's because Rory was avoiding Luke's. And Lorelai at the end didn't have any cup of coffee. So technically, the only cup of coffee they have, one each, is at the very end when Lorelai comes with her breakfast from Luke's. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. One each. One each. Rory was avoiding Luke's Steiner this week. Honestly, the way you started out, I thought this was going to be a no coffee episode. Honestly, I thought so too. The last couple scenes saved us. Mm-hmm. There's just so much going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. It saved us for the book too. So. With that being said, thank you for listening. As always, I was Sandra. And I was Emily. And I was Jess. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This is Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast with Sandra, Jess, and Emily. And you can follow us on Instagram at townmeetingpod and email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and support us at buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting. If you like, send us a message on our answering machine at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. Thank you again. We appreciate all of you.